Hello, hello, beloved people. It's Shane here. Um, we had our first week back in the building on Sunday, which was quite nice after a lot of outdoor activity. So that was good. It's very lovely to be back. It's even lovelier to have Rod and Annika doing singy things. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, this isn't the recording from Sunday. Unfortunately, uh, someone had put a gargantuan recording over the top of uh, the one we wanted to do and so you're getting a home version of Sunday which is going to be a as brief as possible outline of what we talked about because let's be honest the best bits about Sunday talky bits are the bits that the community has to share and there's some lovely thoughts on Sunday but uh, we don't have them so you're just going to have to put up with me and I really can't be bothered trying to redo uh, an entire talk. So I'm going to give you a kind of bullet point outline just so that if you are intrigued and want to uh, follow along over the coming Sundays, you have some idea of what we're talking about. Because uh, as I explained on Sunday, I am doing last Sunday back in time and this Sunday coming and the Sunday after uh, to kind of like lay a bit of a foundation for our series, which is called Tears and Laughter. Um, becoming deeply human through loss and it is the season of Lent and the season of Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter we are kind of uh, slack church calendar followers as a church we kind of as a community do it uh, <laughs> when we remember and when it's helpful and Lent is one of those it is the traditional time of journeying to the cross with Jesus before Easter uh, often people give things up for a period of time during this time to kind of help uh, focus themselves on um, Jesus' journey, and you may or may not be doing that. We decided to talk about this idea of tears and laughter in part because we felt like we have experienced a lot of loss already as a community over the last couple of years, and talking about how we process this and uh, cope with it and sometimes just survive it and sometimes even flourish um, on the other side of it uh, yeah it just seemed like an important thing to do and more important than those things I guess is that we as a community want uh, through loss and grief uh, of all kinds and forms to become something that makes us more human and more kind and more connected and to wherever possible find a way of not letting these things destroy us and not letting fear of these, th these things um, make us live in a way that is destructive or unkind or small. So yeah, I'm going to just chat through kind of what we talked about. I uh, opened with a couple of stories. Um, you kind of had to be there, but one of them was about a friend of mine and I who get together and reminisce about a season of our life which uh, for both of us started off quite exciting and good uh, in larger churches uh, and then as time went on actually became quite destructive for us and uh, there was a lot to that story but a lot of it has to do with some of the people involved and the egos uh, and the ways in which they make some people smell, feel small <laughs> to uh, make others feel big and yeah just how unchristian that is and so the story kind of discussed a scenario where one of his friends ended up um 
I was cleaning a, a hallway at a conference and some important people were about to be moved through the hallway and they knew, knew that as a uh, unimportant person they shouldn't be seen so they panicked and jumped into a cleaning cupboard with their vacuum <laughs> with their vacuum cleaner lest uh, the VIPs actually had to encounter them. Uh, yeah, and so we I kind of talked about how this friend of mine and I uh, often end up after too much scotch telling these stories and laughing hysterically about the power that they had over us um, and our even our participation in them. Um, and though I, I guess for us, it's a way of uh, experiencing the absurdity of it all, even though at the time we could barely even name that absurdity and that laughter has actually helped us process together and at times laughter helped us survive that. I also talked about uh, situations of parenting in lockdown, which I'm sure you're probably sick of stories of parenting in lockdown, but the way in which Meg and I like things at times just got so ridiculous and so intense that all we could do is laugh at how silly the situation was and how bananas it was and how much we wanted to escape it. And we used to make really bad jokes about like just hopping in the car, telling each other we're going to get milk and then just keeping on driving and not re <laughs> not returning. Uh, yeah, which seemed funny at the time, even if it was, you know, felt a little bit true. Uh, yeah, then we just kind of explored the way in which both tears and laughter can help us process uh, times of grief and loss and not just like losing a person, but of coming to terms with our... Um, humanity and our frailty and the fragility of life and disappointment and how our lives are worked out and about how actually experiencing these things in bodily ways uh, is really important for us and actually I would say is uh, a sacrament. Um, a sacrament is as in a place where God meets us and where God is present. So uh, we played a clip from uh, an interview between Chua Lipa and who, uh, because I'm a cool kid, I know all about, I definitely didn't have to Google who it was or um, how to pronounce her name. Uh, and Stephen Cobier, who is one of my favorite comedians. And I think I put a link up to the interview on Facebook and on the weekly note if you got emailed that so you can go and check that out if you haven't already but he has a lot to say which we'll draw from over the next few weeks but part of it is just talking about how um, one thing Christian tradition offers us is that death and loss don't have to mean defeat uh, that through laughing about these things and finding goodness even in the midst of uh, the difficult stuff then that kind of sadness, which is in itself a little death, uh, actually brings meaning out and makes it so that they're not necessarily final deaths. And so we explored a little bit of that, but I'll elaborate on that further. I then chatted about the, my skimming of the Gospels in uh, anticipation of the series and just uh, how weepy and intense uh, and jovial and just how emotional Jesus is in them. And angry uh, he's a lot of things and if Christian tradition again points us to the fact that Jesus is the an example or a, a, a sign or a model of what it is to be fully human and fully divine that uh, this emotionality in contrast to the kind of stoic man which was still very much in the water around Jesus day Jesus doesn't suppress and bottle and just write out uh, the stuff that he faces he 
laughs and weeps and parties and gets angry and you know is all around just a huge bag of emotions and that he doesn't try and fight against his body in the way it reacts and processes these things but actually leans into that and that there is grace there there is a gift from god in that in that place um and in those experiences and that should give us some courage to lean into that stuff as well we read through the story of Lazarus. Uh, if you want to read it, you can uh, go to John 1, 11, verse 1 to 44, and have a read through that. It's a wild ride <laughs> of a story, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it'll just take too long. But uh, I'd encourage you to have a look at it if you are the kind of person that can face a Bible still. Uh, it is, it's a remarkable story, and remarkable in both the good and bad sense uh remarkable in the unbelievable sense of the kind of that it has a resurrection in it um a re remarkable in the way it looks like john or whoever authored john uh kind of just wedges in a bit of an agenda there in the way that he describes who jesus is and jesus reaction to things uh but there's also this um, some profound uh, humanity in it as well. So I'll just highlight the bits that I found interesting. One of the bits that happens in it, so basically Jesus gets told that uh, Mary, who anointed his feet, her brother Lazarus was uh, dying, and then it's all quite cryptic, but Jesus says he'll be fine, uh, and then state hangs out for a few days, and they're begging him to go and heal Lazarus so he doesn't die, and Jesus loves this man, but he's like, nah, I'll be fine. And then they get word that Jesus, that Lazarus did die. Uh, and then everyone's like, why didn't you go? Why didn't you go? And Jesus is like, it's fine. He's just asleep. That it's all for God's glory. And <laughs> yeah, and has this kind of like blasé attitude towards it. And eventually, four days later, they go there. And then Jesus meets Mary and she just breaks down and says, why couldn't you be? Why didn't you come? He's now dead. And then Jesus breaks down and weeps and cries and is distraught and then goes to the grave. And then uh, after a bunch of showing off and talking about how he had it all under control, and it was just all done for God's glory. He tells Lazarus to come out and Lazarus comes back from the dead after four days. And the story just kind of ends there as if like exclamation mark. And what I thought was interesting, um, I don't have a whole ton of answers about this passage, but thoughts and stuff, but what I found particularly interesting is that, that, that this in some ways is kind of like the two sides of the Christian uh, experience of death and loss that we have to hold together. And one is kind of, the first side is kind of the embodied reality side of things in which death and loss are real and painful and they hurt and um, we feel them in our bodies and our bodies react to them and that that is a part of the experience of being human and the other side is the kind of future hope side and there's a bunch of ways of looking at this but one is that you know that somehow um all things will be made new one day that we will get to meet our loved ones who have lost that there's some such thing as the resurrection or in kind of less supernatural ways the sense in which you know that 
losses, loss can still be meaningful or good can still come out of it, even if it's not what we wished for, that new life can be born in the wake and on the other side of loss. And that we need to hold these two things together. And that Christian, I guess, theology at its best um, makes space for both of these things um, in, in, in a variety of different forms and doesn't try and shut one out from the other. But I just found it really interesting how Jesus kind of, in one, one from one angle in the story, was, you know, supposed to have it all under control and knew that he could raise Lazarus from the dead and everyone else is just, you know, being a, you know, like a bit dramatic, <laughs> worrying about him being dead when he was just sleeping and all this kind of stuff. And then on the other hand, when he actually encounters Mary and the reality of Lazarus's death, his body just breaks down and he weeps and cries and is distraught and that both of these things are true. And I really like that about this, um, that tears and, um, and grief and sadness are not to be denied. They're not, uh, for those of you who have ever faced kind of platitudes of, you know, it's all in God's ha hands or um, it's all in God's plan or everything happens for a reason as kind of examples of why, you know, you should buck up your ideas and just be happy because none of it's, you know, you know, it's all under control. Um, we'll know what I'm talking about, but that is a massive violation of our body's way of processing grief and a, and a violation of our humanity. And it's used as a weapon to kind of hammer back tears, and that's not good enough. Um, but for those of you also who have kind of been left in places with no hope um, and no sense of meaning at any stage in your loss or in your despair or in your sadness, that that's a really crippling place too. And so what we're going to explore in this series about how tears and laughter can open up um, both sides of that reality, that they can help us um, process the embodied reality of loss, but they can also open up pathways for future hope and meaning. So yeah, that's what we are going to chat about over the next few weeks hopefully that made some kind of sense if not uh that's okay it's the it's the best i can do um i am going to read for you a john o'donohue poem that we read at the end uh before taking communion if you'd like to take communion you can gather your own elements now <laughs> that'd be lovely you can electronically have it together uh but i'll read you this beautiful john o'donohue poem about grief For Grief by John O'Donoghue When you lose someone you love, your life becomes strange. The ground beneath you gets fragile. Your thoughts make your eyes unsure. And some dead echo drags your voice down. Where words have no confidence, your heart has grown heavy with loss. And though this loss has wounded others too, no one knows what has been taken from you. When the silence of absence deepens, flickers of guilt kindle regret for all that was left unsaid or undone. There are days when you wake up happy, again inside the fullness of life, until the moment breaks and you are thrown back onto the black tide of loss. Days when you have your heart back, you are unable to function well, until in the middle of work or encounter, 
Suddenly, with no warning, you're ambushed by grief. It becomes hard to trust yourself. All you can depend on now is that sorrow will remain faithful to itself. More than you know, it knows its way and will find the right time to pull and pull the rope of grief until that coiled hill of tears has reduced to its last drop. Gradually, you will learn acquaintance with the invisible form of your departed. And when the work of grief is done, the wound of loss will heal, and you will have learned to wean your eyes from that gap in the air and be able to enter the hearth in your soul where your loved one has awaited your return all the time. Amen. We'll be back in the building this Sunday. If you are able to be there and want to be there, we'd love to see you again. Um, grace and peace be with you. Bye.